One thing that uh, probably has been missing from this sermon series on prayer is people's testimonies of answered prayer. And so I want to give to you that opportunity in these uh, days ahead to, uh, if you've had an answer to prayer over the last two to three months, if you would be willing to share that with the, the congregation to write that down on a piece of paper and hand it in to one of the staff members, we'd really like for you to do this over the next week. And, and then the week after that, we can put together a newsletter that would have a number of testimonies that we could read and be encouraged by them. Now, if, if your thing is to text or to fax or to email, uh, whatever is easiest for you in getting that testimony to us, we would so much like to share your testimony with the church family. And I think that that will be a very encouraging thing for all of us to see that uh, we're not just talking about prayer and we're not just saying that God answers prayer. We're seeing the evidence of that, that God is hearing our prayers, that God is answering prayers among us. So would you please do that over these next few days and get that to us at the church office. Uh, We would so much like for you to do that. What I want to do today is simply thumb through the book of Acts and see the presence of prayer in the early church. I found some statistics this last week that were interesting to me. They were from a study that Mark Moore has done on the subject of prayer in the early church. And and this is what Mark has said. In the book of Matthew... Prayer is mentioned in one form or another ten different times. In the book of Mark, prayer is mentioned twelve times. In John's gospel, prayer is mentioned five times. In Luke's writing, you remember Luke wrote not only the gospel of Luke, but also the book of Acts. In his writing, that number increases significantly. In Luke's gospel, he mentions prayer 19 times. And in the book of Acts, he mentions prayer 32 times. And so that is just a reminder to me of how important prayer was in the early church. They didn't just talk about prayer. They practiced prayer. Now here's a question I want to ask first today and try to answer. What happened after the early church prayed? And you may, if you have your Bibles, uh, want to thumb along with me through the book of Acts because that's what we're doing today. We're looking to seeing the answer to this question of what happened after the early church prayed. The first time that we see prayer in the early church is in Acts chapter 1 verse 14. I want to read that verse to you. It says, These all with one one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Now, if you look up just the verse ahead of you, verse 13, you see who the these are. It's it's the, the apostles. They've gathered in this upper room. They are there praying along with women, the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And so it's, it's a small group, and yet they are there 
For one purpose they have gathered there to pray. And, and I get the sense from this passage that it's not just casual prayer that they are involved in. I get the sense that they are really into prayer. They are continually devoting themselves to prayer, the scripture says. They have just experienced the risen Lord for these last 40 days. They have witnessed Him as He has ascended into heaven. He has given to them the instruction of going out into all of the world and making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are to teach them all things that Jesus has given to them. But... They were to wait for the Holy Spirit to come to them. And so that is exactly what they are doing. They are in this upper room. They are praying and they are waiting for the time that the Holy Spirit will come. Do you remember what happens next? Chapter 2 of Acts is the day of Pentecost. And if you're familiar with that story of what happened there, the Holy Spirit did come Upon, the, upon these disciples and they preached the gospel message with such power at the end of chapter 2 verse 41 it says that 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. And so we have great revival preceded by great prayer. Now my question is why couldn't that happen again today? Well, I think it could. It, it may be that God is waiting for us to get serious about prayer. I, I'm wondering, do we realize that people's souls are hanging in the balances? And some of those people are ones that we love, that, that we are akin to. Do we realize that, that not everybody goes to heaven? Do we realize that there may be some who, who go to hell if they don't get Jesus as their Savior? And we need to tell them about Jesus. I, I want you to know that great revival can happen even here if it's preceded by great prayer. The next place that I see prayer happening in the book of Acts is just a few verses... There in chapter 2, later, verse 42, it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now that's some pretty good stuff that's happening in the early days of the church. And we could talk about those four things, but, but I don't want to do that today. I simply want to stress the latter part of that verse, that they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. What happened next? Well, verse 43, if you just keep reading right there in the context, it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Now, I have to tell you, I figured, as I read that, word, that verse, I figured that this word awe meant something like, wow. But that's not what it means. You know what the word awe means? It means fear. It means terror or dread. 
And, and what I think the author is getting at is this. There was a holy fear amongst the early Christians. There was a reverence for the Almighty. And it makes me wonder if sometimes we aren't more after the wow feeling, the, the feel-good kind of feeling, when we ought to be having the awe feeling. For as we go on in that chapter, we see the early church taking care of each other and they're meeting each other's needs and, and they're having great worship together and there are continually souls that are being added to their number daily, the scripture says. When the church prayed, there was phenomenal growth that took place. The church grew in number, but the church also grew in their awe of God. It's the same word that is used in Matthew 20, 14, verse 26, where it says the disciples were in a boat and they saw Jesus walking on the sea and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear, the scripture says. It's the same word that is used in Matthew chapter 28, verse 4, where it says the guards shook for fear of him and became like, like dead men. You remember the context of that passage? It's the resurrection morning. There has been an earthquake and the stone has been rolled away from the tomb of Jesus and an angel has set upon that stone and the guards were afraid. We need to have a holy fear of the God Almighty. Now, don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that we need to be cowering away from God like that, but it's, it's more of a reverence towards God. That we would esteem Him highly, knowing who He is, that He is the God of gods, He is the Lord of lords, and we exalt Him as the name that is above every other name. And we know that we need to obey Him. And what I'm learning from this passage of Scripture is this, that if you and I spend quality time in prayer, we should be coming out of that prayer time with a holy reverence and awe of God Almighty. Because we have been in His presence. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 31. That's the next time that we see prayer in the early church. Acts chapter 4 and verse 30, 31, it says, Now when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Do you think good things happen when people pray? No, it's true. God's Spirit begins to move powerfully in people's lives as they pray. And that's why I have been speaking to you for two months on the subject of prayer. I believe that prayer changes everything. I believe that prayer will change you and me if we'll give attention to it. Good things happen when God's people pray. 
we have more boldness when we pray. And I don't know about you, but for me, I need more boldness. When we go to the Heavenly Father in prayer, His Spirit will fill us up and we will begin to speak the Word of God more boldly. And you know what? We'll want to speak the Word of God more. We'll be like the prophet Jeremiah who said, it's like a fire burning in my bones and I cannot contain it. If you go to Him in prayer, He will help you go to others more boldly. You read on in the text there, chapter 4. You see that more needs were being taken care of. You see that the poor were being fed and provided for. And people such as Barnabas were having it laid upon their heart to sell their land and give the proceeds to the church so that more poor people could be clothed and fed. And I am thinking, if our church would have a revival of prayer, we may see a revival of compassion and giving and servant-mindedness. Great prayer precedes great service. Look at Acts chapter 9. Another time that we see prayer in the early church. Chapter 9, verses 40 and 41. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened up her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Now let me tell you what's going on here. Tabitha has died. Some called her Dorcas. And some of the disciples, they, they, they know that Peter is not far away. He's in a nearby town. And so they go, a, a representation of them, they go and they get Peter and they bring him back. Now I'm not quite sure what they had in mind of going and getting Peter, other than just, maybe they just needed him, the fellowship of him, because Tabitha, or Dorcas, was a very influential person in their church. She was a loving person, she was a person of great uh, compassion towards others, she was one who, who, who made all kinds of things with her hands, and, and she would give those things out as, as gifts of love to people. She had been a tremendous influence on this entire body of believers. And here she dies. And so they, they go to get Peter. Maybe they just need the comfort that they know Peter will bring with him. I don't think that they expected for him to do what he did. Because when he got there, he sends them all out, and he goes to the Lord in prayer on his knees, and he raises this woman up from the dead. You say, Kevin, what are you getting at? What I'm getting at is simply this. That though we may not be seeing people raised up physically from the dead, we see lots and lots of people raised up from the dead spiritually. And, and I'm just wondering if maybe there aren't 
people even among us that need to have that kind of resurrection taking place in their life. You feel ho-hum in your faith? Do you, do you have any kind of feeling of, you know, I wish I had some life in my spiritual life? It, it can happen. It can happen for you. Jesus can raise you up from the dead if you are willing to go before him and his throne and get on your knees and cry out to him. He can give life to you. Look at chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in the prison... But prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. Do you remember what happened? Because God's people were praying, the chains fell off of Peter's hands. If you read on here in chapter 12, you see that he was released from prison. The guards were in a stupor. The prison gates opened wide. And the angel escorted Peter right out of the prison house. And I'm wondering if there are some people here among us who are being held captive by addictions and they need for the church to get serious about praying for them so that they can be set free from their prison. We have anybody here held captive in the prison of pornography? How about the prison of alcohol addiction or drug addiction? How about the prison of bitterness or the prison of anger? And we could go on and on listing the different things that imprison us and hold us in bondage. Jesus wants to set us free. And it can happen when God's people pray Fervently, as what we see here in Acts chapter 12, the prisoners can be set free. Look at chapter 16 of Acts, verses 25 and 26. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. this, This is another instance of jailhouse rock, just like what we saw in chapter 12. If you read on in this story, you see that before it's all over with, the Philippian jailer and his entire household are being baptized into Jesus. When God's people pray, people get saved. And walls come tumbling down. I'm just wondering in my mind if there are some Walls in marriages that need to come tumbling down. Some dividing walls. wonder if there are some walls of prejudice. Some walls of resentment that need to come tumbling down. When God's people pray, 
those walls that seem insurmountable, those walls that seem impossible to bring down, you know what happens to them? They come down. Because when God's people pray, God moves in people's lives. Look at Acts chapter 28, verse 8. Acts 28 and verse 8, it says, And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery, and Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. I'll say it again. Good things happen when God's people pray. As I read through the Scriptures, I don't see anything as being too big for God. The grave was not too big for Him. Blindness and lameness was not too big for Him. Leprosy was not too big for Him. Whatever it is that you are dealing with, your problem, my problem, it's not too big for God. The Scripture says nothing is too difficult for Him. Our prayers invite God to do some mighty works. As I have said throughout this series, not not always does He do what we ask Him to do, but He is inviting us to come before Him and ask of Him great and mighty things. So that's what we ought to be doing. I hope you're getting my challenge to you that when the church gets serious about prayer, we can anticipate some very wonderful, mighty things to happen from God the Father. We can expect a moving of the Holy Spirit among us for people to get saved for people to be healed of their addictions, for for sins to be overcome. When God's people pray, good things happen in the Lord's church and outside of the church. Let me ask another question. What did the early church pray for? Now, This could be an entire sermon, and our time is limited, so I'm not going to go through this list for you. I have it in your bulletin. I have it on the screen in front of you. But I want you to look at this list of what the early church was praying for. And as you look at this list, I want you to to look at your own prayer life and, and, and examine yourself. Are these the things that I'm praying about? Am I praying for our church leaders? Am I praying for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Am I praying that God's Spirit would fill me up? Am I praying that God's Spirit would fill this church? Am I praying for sinners to repent? Am I praying for missions, not just what's going on here locally, but am I praying for those whom our church has sent out? And and notice, 
with letter D for missions and letter A for leaders, I have a star there. And the star simply means this. It was in these instances that the early church was so serious about prayer. They were so serious about praying for their new leaders in the church. They were so serious about praying for those who were being sent out as missionaries that they fasted along with their praying. And they were praying for physical healing. We ought to be doing that too. We do do that. Actually, number five should be for physical safety. That's for physical safety. You look at that scripture, you can see that. The early church was serious about prayer, and indeed their prayers changed everything. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, they were accused of upsetting the whole world with the gospel. And we're talking about just in a matter of a few years that accusation was brought against them. Their movement grew to a point that the whole world was affected by this movement. Acts chapter 21, the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar because of the preaching that was going on by these Christians. Chapter 5 of Acts, verse 28, they were accused of filling Jerusalem with their teaching. Indeed, their prayers and their boldness and the filling of God's Spirit made an impact upon entire cities and even the entire world. And I'm asking, could we do that again? Could the church have that kind of impact again? Could we have that kind of impact on this city, on this county? I think we could. But maybe we aren't serious enough about prayer. There is one who definitely wants to distract you from prayer. He wants you to be too busy to pray. too preoccupied with other things, you know who that is, it's the devil. And he'll do whatever he can to keep you from praying because he knows that your prayers will disable him. Recognize his tactic, my brothers and sisters. Understand his schemes. He does not want you to pray. He especially doesn't want you to have quality quantity time in prayer and so he will seek to distract you from praying he wants to discourage you from praying and he will give you lots and lots of other options hoping to keep you in a prayerless weakened condition and if he can achieve that goal then he knows he has you right where he Don't let the deceiver have his way. Instead, let God have his way. Be devoted to prayer, and it will change you. It will change everything. Let's pray together.
Lord, as we have talked about prayer for two weeks, two months, I pray that we will have been sharpened in this area, Lord, that we will be more attentive, more devoted to prayer as individuals. And Father, when we as individuals become devoted to prayer, what a difference it's going to make in our church. So I am again asking that your spirit will take the words that have been spoken over these last two months, that you'll use them in the heart of each believer. That you will convict, that you will prompt, you will give us that desire not because we have to, but because we want to. We want to be in your presence, Father. We want to know you better. And thank you that your arms are wide open to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Stand together.